This is the Sooner Scooter Show. I'm Eric G. from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. We are a proud member of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. And this week, we're going to do something I have never done before. I have never done a podcast on one single topic. But Michael Wilbon ticked me off so bad with his reaction to what Brent Venables had to say about Deion Sanders that we're going to drill down deep into that. And I'll let you hear from both Brent Venables and Michael Wilbon. But before we get to that, please do me a huge favor. Give us a five-star rating because that helps us elevate our content and get it out to more people. Also, I would be greatly appreciative if you would do a written review because that's constructive criticism and it helps us get better And if you take a picture of that five-star rating and that written review and you send it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, Pete will give you a Heartland College Sports koozie, and that absolutely rocks. If you haven't heard it, okay, and I believe this happened last week at Big 12 Media Days. I know it happened when Brent Venables was talking to uh, one of our competing radio stations. All right, as you know, I work for 97.1, the sports animal, but I I do want to give credit uh, to the ref here for talking to Brent Venables and getting him to go down this road. Brent Venables was talking about culture changes. Okay, so he's talking about culture changes at the University of Oklahoma and what those culture changes meant for OU because in, in a lot of ways, Brent Venables didn't think Lincoln Riley was doing enough or doing the right things to win a national championship. And I think Brent was stunned when he got back to OU and saw the level of defensive player that the Sooners had because it wasn't near the level of defensive player that he was used to having at Oklahoma. That being said, Brent is not an unreasonable guy, and he wants to give everyone a shot. So when asked about the way... OU handles their business and what kind of culture they want to build, he had this to say about what he did when he came to Norman. So you talk about a a culture change and, you know, a resetting of the standards and what the expectations are. You know, you know, I gave guys 12 months of grace, and I was unlike Dion. I gave guys 12 months of grace to figure it out. Here's the three. You know, go to class, you know, live right off the field, and when you show up over here, man, you show up with respect and appreciation for your opportunity. And if you go over for 3 for 12 months, you need a fresh start. So we help 21 guys, you know, give or take, you know, find a, you know, a fresh start. So you can talk about a, a culture change and, you know, a resetting of the standards and what the expectations are. You know, you know, I gave guys 12 months of grace, and I was unlike Dion. I gave guys 12 months of grace to figure it out. Here's the three. You know, go to class, you know, live right off the field, and when you show up over here, man, you show up with respect and appreciation for your opportunity. And if you go over three for 12 months, you need a fresh start. So we help 21 guys, you know, give or take, you know, find a, you know, a fresh start. Sounds pretty reasonable. And one thing, one thing you have to remember, okay, something you've got to remember when – when coaches make statements like that, and he specifically mentions Deion Sanders by name, is he's talking to recruits, he's also talking to parents, and he's talking to high school coaches. Because high school coaches don't like it when you run their kids off. If they send a kid to a particular program or they send that kid to play for you, 
And that kid is not a pain in the butt. That kid is going to class. He's working hard. He's, you know, he's studying film. He's doing everything that you ask him to do and more, but he's just not good enough to see the playing time or you're not seeing him develop the way you want. If you run that kid off, high school coaches are going to remember it. If it gets back to that high school coach that you mistreated a particular player of theirs, then the next time they have a guy that you want to recruit, they're going to do everything they can to steer that kid away from your football program. Now, they'll ultimately let the kid make his own decision, but you know for sure they're going to plant the seed in that kid's head about, man, you don't want to go there. And when you're sitting out in the hallway waiting to talk to that young man, but there's a coach from another school sitting out in the hallway also waiting to talk to that young man, he's going to get preferential treatment. And parents are going to remember that. Parents are going to remember that. They're going to tell other parents. So a lot of that had to do with recruiting. And if you're honed in on the same kid that Deion Sanders is, it's just smart to plan it in that kid's and that parent's mind. Hey, Dion did run off, guys. And Dion may be telling me that I am all that and a bag of chips right now. And yeah, I get it. That's an that, that, that's an old reference. Uh, Dion may be telling me that I you know everything's everything. I am that guy. But when I get to Colorado, it really seems like you've only got a few weeks to impress Dion Sanders. And if you don't, he's going to run you out. Because Dion has said more than once, he's running it like what? An NFL team. And you don't get the opportunity in the NFL to hang around for much longer. There was nothing in what Brent Venable said there that was that was that was particularly insulting to Dion. He didn't say Dion ran, ran a bad program. He didn't tear Dion down personally. He just said, hey. They do what they do at Colorado. We do what we do at Oklahoma. And at least I gave these kids a year, a year to conform to the things that I needed them to conform to. And 21 individuals didn't do it. So they're no longer with the OU football program. And we went out and replaced them with 21 guys who will do exactly what I asked them to. Where in the Colorado case, let's not forget, Dion busted down the door told everyone on the face of the earth, because this was being filmed, but mainly a room full of young men, that you will not be here. I am bringing my guys from Jackson State. They are better than you. There are kids in the transfer portal who want to play for me simply because I am Deion Sanders, so you're not going to be here. Okay, remember Deion said that. Okay, Remember all that as you listen to Mike Wilbon say this. Well, you're asking me for my opinion on Venables. It makes him look like a sanctimonious college, loudmouth, know-it-all college football coach who doesn't like Dion. And so let me talk about who I do and don't like. I, you know, Dion's out there. Dion's way out there like Saturn's rings with what he's doing in his approach. And I'm going to root for him as hard, so hard, you would think his last name was Wilbon to beat all these loudmouth, sanctimonious, self-righteous college football coaches who dislike Dion for whatever reasons. I have my own suspicions. And they don't like Dion. They want to take shots at Dion. I am rooting so hard for Dion. He better win, though, because Dion's way what? out there. He's way <laughs> out there. But I'm rooting for him hard. Yeah. I may go and buy season tickets at Colorado to go and sit in the stands and root for Dion 
to beat people like the loudmouth sanctimonious Venables. Mike Wilbon gives us a lot to unpack there in that 45 seconds. First and foremost, let's address the biggest elephant in the room. If you're going to call somebody racist, don't insinuate it. Just flat out say it. Flat out tell us, Michael Wilbon, that you think Brent Venables and every other coach that's rooting against Deion Sanders is racist. And they're only rooting against him simply because he's African-American. Go go ahead and say that. Don't insinuate it. Just flat out tell us that is that is exactly how you feel. The way you played that was pretty cowardly. It, it was also cheap. And it was dealt from the it was the race card that was dealt straight from the bottom of the deck. All right. It, it was a cheap way to go about it. And I understand it that you were emotional in those comments. But Brent Venables, let's not forget, okay, and just in case somehow Michael Wilbon listens to this, Brent Venables is the same guy who fired Kel Gundy, who was the longest standing assistant in the history of the University of Oklahoma. Why did Kel Gundy get fired? Because during a meeting, Kel Gundy saw a kid messing around on his iPad. He picked it up and then read what was written on the iPad. One of those words happened to be the N-word. Kel Gundy didn't call anyone the N-word. He simply read the lyrics to a rap song that this young man had written. Brent Venables, understanding how hurtful that word is to many, many individuals, decided that you couldn't have that in the program, and he fired Kel Gundy. So if the man was truly racist, Kel Gundy wouldn't have been fired. Kel Gundy, Kel Gundy would have been defended. Now, we can argue all day long whether or not that was the right decision, and I still think it was the wrong decision and that, you know, Kale has proved time and time again that I, I don't think, you know, I, I don't see Kale being a racist, and I thought Kale deserved a second shot. But Brent Venables said, no, that's not the way we're going to do things here at OU. He was gone. So that part of it was very irresponsible because it lacked any sort of research. The other thing about this comment that that is really troubling, or this diatribe or monologue, whatever you want to call it, that that's really troubling for Mike Wilbon, is to think that all these coaches simply don't like Deion Sanders because he's Deion. No, I think they could. I think most of them could care less about that. All right, if those coaches are anything, if those coaches are my age. Okay, and, you know, as Barry Switzer says, I'm half a hundred. If those coaches are my age, you grew up loving Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders was not only the the greatest athlete of our generation. It was either him or Bo Jackson, but I tend to vote Deion uh, because Deion was able to stay healthy and actually play baseball and football at the same time. He was an awesome self-promoter. And the fact that Deion is putting that on display right now in Colorado is is very cool. I like it. I like I like the idea of Coach Prime. I like the fact that Dion has always embraced who he is and is never hidden from it. I would imagine most of the coaches, they either like that or they just don't care about it. The issue with Dion Sanders isn't rooted in race. It isn't rooted in attitude. It's rooted in the fact that here's a guy that came straight out of the broadcasting booth and was handed a college head coaching job. He had never run a program before. He had never worked inside a program before. He didn't start out at the GA level, didn't start out in high school. He didn't have to pay his dues. And in any job where you have to pay your dues or you're being told 
pay your dues, work your way up the ladder. If you want to get to that point, here are the steps you have to take. Dion didn't have to take any of those steps. It was, hey, I'm Dion Sanders. I want the Jackson State job. So they gave it to him because Jackson State thought, what the hell? We'll give him an opportunity. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, then we'll get rid of him and we'll move on to the next coach. Well, now not only did you get that job, now you've got the Colorado job. And you've got a lot of guys out there who have been on the grind for years and years just waiting for those opportunities. And they're they're not getting them. And and here, here is Dion and you know who else wanted that kind of opportunity and thankfully didn't get it? it was Jason Witten, former Dallas Cowboys tight end. It's like, oh, I want to be the head coach of Tennessee. It's like, dude, you've never coached in your life. What makes you think you can go run the Tennessee program better than someone who's actually been a coach? Those are the things that upset people about Deion Sanders. And Mike Wilbon completely blew through Every single one of those points. He had an opportunity to hit on every single one of them and just completely blew through them. And thus tried to sully Brent Venable's reputation. And one of the words that he used, and it's funny that he used this word, he used sanctimonious. Was there anything, I mean, we played Brent Venable's for comments for you. Wait a second, you know what? Let's do it. Let's one more time. Here's what Brent Venable said about Deion Sanders. So you talk about a, a culture change and, you know, a resetting of the standards and what the expectations are. You know, you know, I gave guys 12 months of grace, and I was unlike Dion. I gave guys 12 months of grace to figure it out. Here's the three. You know, go to class, you know, live right off the field, and when you show up over here, man, you show up with respect and appreciation for your opportunity. And if you go over three for 12 months, you need a fresh start. So we help 21 guys, you know, give or take, you know, find a, you know, a fresh start. So you can talk about a, a culture change and, you know, a resetting of the standards and what the expectations are. You know, you know, I gave guys 12 months of grace, and I was unlike Dion. I gave guys 12 months of grace to figure it out. Here's the three. You know, go to class, you know, live right off the field, and when you show up over here, man, you show up with respect and appreciation for your opportunity. And if you go over for 3 for 12 months, you need a fresh start. So we help 21 guys, you know, give or take, you know, find a – you know, a fresh start. Nothing about that is sanctimonious whatsoever. Nothing. And part of the problem is, is that the college football with the transfer portal, the NIL, every coach has to worry about their players getting poached, which puts them automatically on edge. And if they've got any sort of heart at all, they don't want to run kids off, even if those kids don't pan out, or they at least don't want to put them in a situation like Dion did, which is, hey, why don't you go into the transfer portal? Oh, wait, 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 wait. You don't have like you don't have another scholarship offer. You want me to make a call? You want you want me to make a call for you to to to, to get this scholarship offer? Yeah, I'm I'm not going to do that. I mean, we have heard just horror stories coming out of Colorado right now. I mean, and I get it. Players kicked out of the program. You're going to be dejected, but. There was nothing. I mean, Brent Venables did not sound like he was on his high horse at all whatsoever. I mean, he just stated what the differences the, the differences between the two programs are. And again, I think if you either didn't hear the comments, like I don't think Michael Wilbon actually listened to the comments. I think he almost. I think he read the comments and went, "Oh, here's what it's all about," which 
I mean, when you do that and you see something in black and white, you don't actually hear the context and how it's put. That is definitely going to shade the way that that, that your opinion comes out. But um, for someone is as experienced as he is, that's been around and has you know covered the likes of Michael Jordan and has been to some of the biggest events and around some of the biggest events in in this sport. You got to do better. You got to do a better job than that. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. And for for Oklahoma, your Brent Venables, I'm not worrying. I'm not worrying at all about this. I'm not because I've got bigger. I've got bigger fish to fry. You know, not to be, not to throw another cliche at you, but I mean, the season's right around the corner, and you were six and seven last year. I don't think Brent Venables cares what Mike Wilbon has to say at all. It's all about six and it's all about six and seven getting better from there. That's what Brent Venables is going to worry is going is going to worry about. And again, why I like Brent Venables, why I'm rooting for Brent Venables to win, even if I've got my doubts about the way things are going, I'm going to root for him is because of comments like that. Because of because of the comments of I gave I gave these young men twelve years. I wasn't exactly thrilled to have him on campus or twelve months. I was actually thrilled to have him on campus, but at least I gave them a year. I gave them a year to get it done. So not 12 years, 12 months. Sorry, didn't mean to misspeak there. I kind of got going. Um, something something a little bit more fun, because this took on, a, this took on a, a much more serious tone this week. But I'm sorry, I was fired up. That just, that really ticked, that really ticked me off to, to see somebody attack. Brett Venable's character like that. I mean, I may not be happy with with the way the season went last year, but I don't want to go attack Brent Venable's character. Like, I don't attack Lincoln Riley's character. I attack the way that Lincoln Riley doesn't put enough emphasis on defense. Thus, I agree with Brent Venable's and everyone else. Lincoln Riley's never going to win a championship coaching the way that he coaching the way that he coaches or more running the way the program that he does. But it's nothing personal. I don't know Lincoln Riley. I don't know what his character is. I mean, he could be the nicest guy in the world. Now, he can't smoke for crap. He can't smoke meat for anything. But he may, in fact, be a, a very a very good guy. And I know the way that he left OU wasn't good, okay? But I don't know of a good way to actually depart a program. So I kind of give him a break on that. Enough, 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 enough about him. Um, let's, get on, let's get on to something a, l- a little bit funnier. Allstate is going to be the the title sponsor now for the, wait for it, return of the Red River Rivalry, which everyone in broadcasting hates because if you say that too fast, you're going to sound like Elmer Fudd, and you just cannot have it. Uh, you just can't help, help it. I've often said this about the, the, the OU-Texas game because that's what I have called it ever since I've grown up. I've never called it the Red River Shootout. I remember being forced to design a T-shirt when I pledged Roughnecks. Like, you're supposed to design the T-shirt for OU Texas weekend. And we call it the Red River Raid because back when, when, when I was in the club, we had a hell of a lot of fun. I mean, we, we left Norman on that Friday in, in two buses. I think that's all I'm allowed to tell you. Um, although in later days, I would love gladly to share those Texas stories because I know that they're not doing them now. Uh, but we called it the Red River Raid. We left in two buses, and believe me, we partied like college kids party um, all the way down. And it was all about the weekend and, and you know, 
beating Texas and partying and whatever. So we call it the Red River Raid. I remember designing a shirt and I had Red River Shootout on it because I was thinking Roughnecks versus Silver Spurs. But I had never heard anyone refer to the Red River Shootout until well after 2000, until it started being stamped on tickets. Now, I have had people tell me it's, it's, it was the Red River Shootout for a long time, but I need proof of that. So if you have proof, of the OU Texas game at one time being called the Red River Shootout prior, prior to this century. Okay, so I'm talking from 1999 back, or let's just say 1992 back. All right, if you've got proof from 1992 back, then hey, hit me up on social at Sports Radio APD or Threads at G League. That's at G E E League. And I would love to see it. I think the truth of the matter is, is we don't care what the OU Texas game is called. It doesn't, while I ha, while I believe, and, and I think this is the most important thing to walk away with when we're talking about the OU Texas rivalry, is I think it's, at some point it's going to take over as the SEC's premier rivalry. It's going to be a while because as long as Alabama is still good and as long as you've got the hate that you've got between them and Auburn, which isn't going away ever, is when Alabama falls off, and they will, if OU Texas can be as good as they were in the early part of the 2000s, that has a chance to be the Southeastern Conference premier rivalry. And here's the thing about the SEC. Media days this week for the SEC in Nashville. Next year, it's coming down to Dallas, which says an awful lot about how much the SEC is thrilled to have OU and Texas in. Okay, and, and despite what... LSU players may be saying about, oh, you in Texas, eh, they know what they're getting themselves into. No, believe me, they know exactly what they're getting themselves into. The players may not because they haven't had the opportunity to play that kind of schedule ever. But certainly the coaches and the administration does, and it's all about what are you going to do to compete? How are you going to get there? And can OU compete at that level? So stop with that narrative that OU doesn't know what they're getting themselves into. They know full good and well. But you're having this thing in Dallas. They are being welcomed. The SEC is ecstatic about OU coming. And one more thing. We got to end on this note. Uh, The SEC gave a big middle finger to UT this week. UT, hey, thanks for being great business partners, helping OU get to the Southeastern Conference. But it was phenomenal how the SEC gave the middle finger to Texas. Over the horns, down sign, or as I was a kid, I call it down with hook'em horns. Uh, it was phenomenal how they told them that it would have to meet three, in order for there to be a penalty call for your hurt-ass feelings, three criteria have to be met. One, it has to be taunting. It has to absolutely be taunting. Two, it has to be a threat to the integrity of the game, which, I mean, come on, let's face it. We could all see Tom Herman, who's no longer there. It's a threat. You're threatening the integrity of the game. You're threatening the integrity of the game. Don't, don't go throw the penalty. They're threatening the integrity of the game. And two, it, it, it and I'm kind of paraphrasing this, um, it has to in, inhibit or, yeah, it, it has to disrupt or have an effect on how the officials would, would actually call the game. So in other words, there you had a fight at the 50-yard line or in the tunnel prior to the game, and somebody was just trying to stir up some crap, and they shot 
the down with with Hookham Horn sign, then all of a sudden, you know, the refs might throw the flag because they don't want another fight to break out. If they think you're going to start a fight, then they're going to call. So in other words, yeah, just because somebody throws it, man, we ain't calling it. They score a touchdown and they do it, no flag. They go to your student section and do it, no flag. Now, they do it to your coach's face, probably a flag. But guess what, Texas? You don't run the SEC. You're not a heritage school, buddy. And that, my friends, makes for an absolute sweet ending to the week. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to quote the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Don Cornelius, love, peace, and soul. I'm Eric G. Be blessed.